0: and now sponsors legislation to encourage the learning of languages beyond English in, in Congress. In one essay, the author Francisco Goldman um, talks about the perils of learning only one language when he when he discovers that a translator had severely botched um, one of his books. And I'm going to ask um, Tom to break it up a little bit to read a little bit from that. Um, sure. A passage from that.
1: This is from an essay by Francisco Goldman. Wasn't the United uh, wasn't the United States the richest, most powerful nation on earth? Then how could it have such incompetent professional literary translators? <laughs> I remember pondering that question and the simple answer that occurred uh, and the simple answer that occurred to me. It's because we're the nation we are, so rich and powerful. I told Jose that we have such incompetent translators. After all, he was one of those rare foreign authors who actually sells his books in the United States. It being a known fact that no other country publishes fewer books in translation, defiant monolingualism can sometimes sometimes seem an essential aspect of our national literary uh, character. Everyone knows that if people in other countries want to do business with us, they have to do it in our language. If the leaders of foreign countries want to negotiate with us, they have to do it in our language too. A country that speaks to the world only in its own language and describes reality to itself only in its own language will be able to convince itself of anything. (laughs) Sometimes that may be a recipe for muscular triumph and sometimes for tragedy. But it's obvious, Jose, translators aren't what made America great. Once you possess another language, your sense of reality changes. It's as simple as being able to connect to the internet and read, say, what people in Mexico are saying about the immigration issue. Suddenly, the world seems twice as large and twice as peopled and more interesting than it did before.
0: The story of America, as we all know, is largely the story of immigrants and their children who carry on the ambition of the parents. Our third panelist is an esteemed colleague, Hector Tobar. Hector is here... To, to, he, among the books he's written is one called "Translation Nation." If you can hold it up there, Hector, um, defining a new American identity in the Spanish. <laughs>
2: well, I was crossing myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the Spanish-speaking United States, when you read "Translation Nation," you discover that Hector's parents were Guatemalan immigrants who brought the spirit of Trey Guevara in their suitcase when they landed at LAX. And, you know, I I wish I could read it, but I think Hector's going to, you know, read my favorite passage in the book.
2: One of the first secrets I ever kept from my father was that I admired Maury Wills, the shortstop of the Dodgers, and Jerry West of the Lakers, as much as, if not more, than El Che. (laughs) For me, the United States was a land ruled by sports heroes and astronauts, where arenas were filled with cheering crowds And rockets zoomed into space with fiery ascents that caused hundreds of necks to crane upward and mouths to open in awe. I had never seen Che on my television, like my other heroes, who sank baskets from the half-court line and sent baseballs over the fence at the brand new Dodger Stadium, or who walked on the moon as fuzzy silhouettes. I was becoming an American, another species different from my ancestors. My mother and father would become Americans too, taking the oath as U.S. citizens within the decade of their arrival, even while believing and telling any Spanish-speaking person they met that they were still Guatemaltecos. My father, I see now, embraced Che as an antidote to the lure of of American culture, to American culture's overwhelming power to amaze and intimidate. Especially back then in the 1960s, when America gleamed and dazzled like the chrome bumpers and tail fins of the Fords and Chevrolets he longed to own. To prove he had not become a total gringo, my father became a more devout Guevarista, an armchair rebel with a single, loyal follower, me.
0: (laughs) Hector started his work for the paper in Southern California, but he would go on to become a foreign correspondent and translate... Places like Argentina, Mexico, vast regions of the world, for hundreds of thousands of Los Angeles Times readers. His weekly column now appears on A2 of the paper, so I'm sure many of you are loyal readers. Our um, columnist to my left, panelist to my left, is Cindy Kennard, a fellow former...